Looking back, how do we remember our childhood best friends? And what defines the nostalgia that we share with those we know best? Touchstone Theater, the region's only ensemble-based theater, is presenting Games We Play, a new two-person show written and performed by company members Emma Ackerman and Chris Egging. Set in a time where bonds were forged in mixtapes and make-believe, Games We Play follows the journey of two friends as they try, and sometimes fail, to stay connected. This universal exploration of lifelong friendship runs from February 16th through the 26th at Touchstone's Home Theater on the south side of Bethlehem. This is WDIY 88.1 Lehigh Valley Public Radio, and you are tuned in to Lehigh Valley Arts Salon. I remain Kate Scuffle, your host, and this evening I'm talking with Touchstone Theater Company members and co-creators, Emma Ackerman and Chris Egging, about their new piece, Games We Play, and the journey of creating it. So welcome, guys. Thank you so much for having us. It's Absolutely. Yeah, thanks, Kate. Thank you for taking time out of tech. I'm sure, right? right? Yeah. <laughs> yep. yeah. That's exactly where we are. <laughs> this is why no one's had lunch. But <laughs> So... One of my first thoughts when I saw the the beautiful imagery from the piece and some of the the write-ups, what inspired it? What You two didn't really grow up near each other, literally, but roughly the same kind of time period. What what inspired the piece? When we first started looking at this piece, which was like a year and change ago, um, we you know, started from a place of commonality. What were the sort of things we would want to put in a play that we would create together? Because we've never been artistic co-creators. Chris came to Touchstone a few years ago as uh, primarily our technical director, and I was working as the production manager, and that had been our sort of partnership for several years, was mainly about, like, making stuff happen, doing logistics and Mm. all that sort of thing. And this was an opportunity for us to create something artistic uh, that was our own. So basically the very first meeting we had, we sat down and thought about like, okay, what are the what are the building blocks we want to grab for ourselves? What's the stuff that's interesting to us as creators and, and that we specifically can do? So yeah, from there, the things that came out were we were both interested in physical work, we were both interested in music, um, and we were both interested in these sort of like the idea of the friendships we have when we're young and what happens to them because we think they'll last forever and you know we say best friends forever and then so often they don't yeah and so in the piece to you do we get to see you two as friends and that earlier when young friends um, and it, it seems that there's also an opportunity for us to have the perspective of looking back as adults with you as well. How does how does that work structurally, kind of back and forth in terms of time? Yeah, it's definitely not a linear timeline okay. for this show. We jump back and forth between a couple of different modes of reality. We have kind of present now, but not in the world of the story of the play, where we're directly interacting with the audience. Okay. Then there is the two of our characters as adults here in a scene dealing with issues that are coming up and other things that are happening in their lives. And then we also have elementary school when we first met, middle school and high school. And it jumps back and forth between all of those different modes throughout the story to show the arc of how these friends met, the joys that they shared, the struggles that they helped each other through, and how those things have changed and that even though, you know, I I think about the concept of friends that you have when you're young that you're really close with and you get back together with them and you fall right in sync, 
But even in that in sync or you feel like we're right back where we were, it's not exactly the same because you're not the same person. Literally, the cells in your mm. body are not <clears throat> the same anymore. And so being able to play with that in a in a really fun, creative way yeah. has been a joy in this and finding what are the right modes of reality. Yeah, I think I think uh, particularly when we are in the past, you know, memory distorts, memory is non-literal, memory is different depending on the person who is remembering it. So we'll have these moments of sort of like extreme drama and big emotions. And then we'll fall back into the present and say, well, that's not exactly how it happened. No, I remember it more this way. And like sort of examining that fluidity of the past of memory and these, you know, very important uh, building blocks of ourselves that may be false or flawed or fabricated. Mm. So it's interesting. So the things that shift not, aren't just us as we travel through life and become slightly different people. We're very different people, but also our memory and, and recollection of it. Interesting. Yeah, And all the different versions. Yeah. And that neither one of our individual versions is the real what happened. Right. Yeah. Neither one of yeah. us is right almost ever, which is kind of fun. <laughs> yeah. And there's always then, and in several moments, there's then the moment of, no, but there's, here's what really happened. After we've done, here's my version, here's your version. No, 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 no. No, but here's the real thing. And so in drawing on, did you draw on your own? Because you two, again, didn't grow up together, literally. I mean, you weren't at school together, et cetera. Was this based on your own memories of friendships? and kind of? So you kind of brought your own memories together to build this, this world yeah. of friendship. I'd say it was inspired yeah. by uh, memories of friendships. That, we're, we're, not, uh, we're not drawing one for one sure. uh, to anything. But, you know, again, that going back to those sort of first early meetings, uh, we were talking a lot about, like, for me in particular, I remember always having a friend slash a best friend who was within walking distance of okay. my house. Like, that was a big part of the neighborhoods where I grew up is someone was either next door or, like, a five-minute walk away and that that proximity to best friendship was like just a huge thing that I completely took for granted at the time, uh, but was very formative for me. And as a younger child, for me, it was far different. I grew up on a farm in western Nebraska, 15 miles from the closest town. And so if I think about close proximity best friends, those would have to be my siblings. And mm. if anyone who has siblings know that that doesn't, that doesn't really equate to best friend all the time. <laughs> um, whereas the closest neighbor was a mile away. Wow. Okay. And then it didn't really start to form into a bunch of different groups of friends that I was able to hang out a lot until I was driving. And I had the ability uh, to get sure. to town to hang out with my friends. Okay. And that fun feeling of differentiation of like being able to explore the world of what if I grew up with a best friend who was right here um, and how what would that have been like is cool. I think something else that you brought up really early on was this idea of the people we are closest to, particularly when we're, when we're young, but just also throughout life. Uh, you know, they're on the one hand, they're the people we go to when we're in trouble, when we need help. They're the people we can lean on and can support us. They're also the per first people we hurt, right? Mm -hmm. If we're lashing out, if mm -hmm. we're like having a rough time and not dealing it with it correctly, the people closest to us are the people we hurt first. Because um, there's a safety there. Yeah. You yeah. feel comfortable showing that darkness almost because yeah. you know that that person cares for you and they may receive it in a better way than someone you don't know as yeah. well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which becomes part of the bond in a way. Yeah. 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 For better yeah. or worse. Yeah, for better or worse. <laughs> <laughs> and you talk about the importance of physical work to the process. How does that 
show up in the play? How did that become part of what we'll see on stage? There are several really interesting movement sequences that have come out of it, and many of them are dealing with weight sharing mm. in a way where we're working off of each other mm-hmm. as we move through the space. I will, uh, we also have a bunch of sword fights mm-hmm. uh, because there's nothing more little kid energy than grabbing a couple sticks and pretending they're swords <laughs> and like taking a thwack at each other. Um, I will also say that part of the fun physicality of the piece is uh, just in our physical differences. Uh, For those that cannot see us right now, Chris is quite tall and I am not. And there's a lot of fun visuals that come out of that in terms of just like dichotomy and, you know, the way our oppositeness works on stage together. And I would imagine, did you find that the early years when you're portraying yourselves younger, that it's more physical? just seems to be something that we lose, sadly, a bit as we get older. Yeah, I think there's a, a lack of restraint that's uh, particularly fun to enjoy as as grown folk, mm-hmm. um, where it's like, hey, when I was very small, I probably did not have very contro- good control over my limbs. I was not too concerned with looking mature and like <laughs> I had my act together. I was I was all over the place, and it's, it's fun to harken back to that. And with my character, it's, it's very much like a I haven't been beaten down yet. I'm <laughs> okay. still open. Uh-huh. And so and if you watch in the show, there's differences in the physicality in each okay. range, which is a physical exploration to figure out what is that shape and how do you sustain that throughout mm. the piece mm. and how do you make the right shifts to show now middle school where I've been bullied and kind of pushed into myself and then high school where I'm starting to come back out of it, but that effect continues to linger mm-hmm. of that thing that has caused me to draw in. Whereas as a child, it's definitely a lot of front energy leading from the heart right, right. as opposed to leading from the shoulders that okay. are trying to protect me oh, that's interesting. <laughs> later on. And that would seem to be true of age in general. I mean, did your character do as much of that or is it a more subtle shift for her? I mean, I think this is it's a great uh, it's a great look at the way that our characters sort of paths to adulthood are, okay. are pretty different uh-huh. because my character you know, stays a lot more energized and out there and sort of up and floating and, uh, you know, let's go get them. Let's figure something out. Let's try something new. Uh-huh. She also, in the sort of awkward middle school, high school years, ends up being the sort of, like, supporter, protector, like, all right, this guy's not going to, you know, make it, so so I, I got to help hmm. him out kind of thing. Hmm. Um, and so a lot of her in adulthood is, you know, obviously older, obviously more uh, uh, understated, but there's still a lot of that upward energy we talk in the play a lot, uh, elementally, about uh, the idea of earth and air, and that Chris's character is very much, you know, grounded and closed, and that my character is very much up and flying away. Hmm. Oh, that's lovely. That's interesting. And additionally, inside of the movement in our choreographed yeah. moments, Ashley Tate Weller, right. an ensemble affiliate with Touchstone, came in to help us out with that and took ideas or images that we had found in rehearsal. Uh-huh. And in one moment of the play, we come back and reflect on those images happening in quick succession, almost like a kaleidoscope turning. And we also then see what might have been, but wasn't. And it's, but having someone who was able to come in and help us shape that, particularly since we're the we're the hats in the room, and there's not someone else here directing the whole thing as a separate 
body on the team. Right. Oh, that's fascinating. So Ashley Tate Weller essentially choreographed, aside from the work you two would be doing to devise and discover and rehearsal. That's an interesting yeah. mix. Ashley's fantastic. She, yeah. I think she worked with us last on Dictators for Dummies, okay. which is an original musical we did a couple years ago, and she's been uh, uh, on again, off again with the company for a while. So we were really grateful she was uh, available to, to help out and work on this show with us. You're listening to Lehigh Valley Art Salon here on WDIY 88.1. I'm your host, Kate Scuffle, and I'm speaking with Touchstone Company members Chris Egging and Emma Ackerman about Games We Play, their new two-person show exploring childhood friendship and how we remember it as grown-ups, running February 16th through the 26th at Touchstone. And we'll be right back after this short break. Spread the word about your business or organization to a well-informed audience. Become an underwriter with WDIY. Our lineup of NPR news and locally produced programs reaches thousands of engaged listeners in the Lehigh Valley and beyond. Underwriting on WDIY is an affordable and effective way to provide information about your product and services to people who care. To learn more about underwriting opportunities, 610-694-8100 or WDIY.org. Welcome back to Lehigh Valley Arts Salon here on WDIY 88.1, Lehigh Valley Public Radio. I'm your host, Kate Scuffle, and tonight I'm talking with Touchstone's Emma Ackerman and Chris Egging about Games We Play, their new two-person show exploring childhood friendships, nostalgia, and memory, opening February 16th at Touchstone Theater. So welcome back, guys. We were talking just before break about um, interpreting adulthood and youth through physicality and movement and memory. Um, but there's also another element to the piece that's interesting. It's ori- there's music to it that's original that you both shared in. But Chris, could you tell us a little bit about the music and what went on with that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, the main original piece of music that is part of the show, actually the kernel of it and the, the music of it, the guitar part, the chord structure, was developed when I was in high school in a band. I use oh. air quotes here in the room around that. It's a very loose idea of a band that I formed with two of my best friends from high school, um, one of which is still one of my best friends okay. today. But it was interesting to have this piece of music that never had f- lyrics finished out for it. We never completed the song and have this thing carried with me for the last 24 years almost and then have an opportunity to as we started to talk about, oh, we want live music, but we, we don't know what, what exactly it needs to be. And I thought, oh, well, let's, let's try this thing and see if we dust this off, if there's something else that can come from it. And then as we started to work through and we had found this elemental idea of earth and air and the concept of memory that we're playing with throughout the show, the lyrics formed out of that and a whole brand new set of lyrics Mm. was birthed and is now part of that and we have several different versions of it there is there's singing along with a track we actually perform the song live i also created a secondary version so i sing one version of lyrics and then emma has a completely different set of lyrics that can then mash up together and be sung at the same time um, which was an interesting challenge. I've never fully written a song, and to then create a song that has two different lyric sets that are layered over each other and happening was terrifying and, <laughs> and also really rewarding to have it come together and have people be like, whoa, because it becomes a little bit of a an earworm okay. that it sticks around. Yeah. yeah. 
there was also an, a sort of early part of our process that, you know, we were we were talking for a while, we were doing some writing exercises for a while, and then uh, Touchstone's artistic director, J.P. Jordan, was like, have you guys just jammed yet? And, uh, yeah. and, and it was like, uh, no, actually, that's a huge missing part. We should have done that probably from the get-go. Um, so we also had a couple sessions that was just like, all right, what are the, like, songs we remember from from our high school our real high school selves what was the yeah. music that was part of our you know part of our lives part of our soundtrack part of our mixtape and like what can we recreate with the two of us on guitar and ukulele and occasionally flute and a looper pedal sometimes uh, and so that was also just a very fun exploration of like what sound can we create together mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's interesting because sound and music has such an intense part of memory too, mm. as well, and can yeah. trigger memory so intensely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially in especially in high school, you yeah. know, when it's like ev- everything feels like there's that that one song backing this moment. It was so yes. dramatic, and yes. it's like, no, no, it's just it was just another day at high school. It's okay. <laughs> and there's song. I'm I'm thinking about like building the pre-show playlist. Um, <laughs> And trying to build it specifically out of songs from this era that also fit with the feel of the show. I'm finding songs that I forgot were extremely important to like 14 to 21 year old Chris that were on every mix CD I ever made. <laughs> and it like listening back into it, it's just, man, it, it opens up a well of- It's visceral, of, yes. right? Yeah. It's like, just like the, the sound just reaches into your chest and pulls these feelings back out. It's like, oh my gosh, I remember, I remember this. How, how can these musical notes be wrenching this out of me? I find it amazing just how powerful music is that way. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely, absolutely. The soundtrack of our lives, so to speak. And there's also a layer going well, there's a layer and element here of also shifts in your lives and roles with the theater marked with this production, Emma. Um, you'll be, this is your last main stage yes, appearance. Yes, this is my last time uh, performing on the Touchstone stage, uh, which it's a very bittersweet time for me. Uh, it's something I'm very grateful to have the privilege of doing this show, of marking this moment by doing this performance and to like, I don't know, make a good ending of it. Mm. Um, obviously, I, I, well, I'm, I'm still going to be at, at the theater with the company through the end of the season, which basically takes me through the end of the summer. Um, so I'll still be I'll still be teaching. I'll still be, uh, you know, working on productions for, you know, the rest of this current season at Touchstone. But this is my last sort of major artistic offering. And I it's a show that is about in many ways, it's about what happens when we leave. And that I don't think was an entirely intentional design on our part, but I think it's completely correct and lovely that that's what emerged from the two of us like playing together in the rehearsal space. Yeah. And Chris, you you would know this. You know that your partner is this is her last creative appearance. I'm not crying. You're crying. I know. <laughs> and you're moving from the the roles in the theater that the audience doesn't always see you right up front. Let's mm-hmm. say see you scurrying across the lobby or something with an emergency. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so you're moving on to the stage. Has that played into also how the piece has developed? And so I mean, it's just, this is kind of a lovely balance. It's a really interesting metaphor. I don't know if metaphor is even the yeah, right word, yeah. but that, and from the bottom of my heart, Emma, like they, you chose me to help bring this to life. It means so much, like so much. 
I got to hype this guy up for a minute because this is not just Chris's first time performing on the Touchstone stage. This is his first time creating and devising a show from scratch. And for those that have not done that before, it is not for the faint of heart. This is incredibly (laughs) difficult work. And he has just absolutely knocked it out of the park. So I'm so grateful to have had you as a partner. Thank you. Yeah, no, my background is I have an MFA in acting. And so I, you know, give me a script, right. and a script that's already written. I will dive into that character and find every little piece. And it's so much fun. Yeah. The idea of taking a kernel of an idea and nothing and finding a story that it, that has. I pause there because in my I, I'm critical of my own work and in, I love this show and what it has become and for the opportunity to. As a performer first, to have been stepping back and look, being on the technical side and seeing so much happening at Touchstone, learning the space, learning the people, learning how the audiences interact, I don't know that I could have jumped in as a co-creator right out of the jump. Because mm-hmm. instead, it gave me a sense of, I know exactly how the space works. Mm-hmm. I know what's going to land where, mm-hmm. how you need to interact with the audience in this space. And it's so rewarding to have, like, created this thing that I'm really proud of. It's interesting. I don't know if the average audience member, person, the public realizes. I sometimes think they think it's perhaps easier that you created your work. And it's like, oh, my God, no. I mean, it's it's no. there's a freedom to it, yes. for sure. And we were, we were talking about this uh, earlier because we're, we're also the sort of technical production overmind uh, as well. We doing yeah. the set and the lighting and the sound and all that. Yeah. And in some ways, it's like, oh, God, that is also an enormous onus on us to be carrying all of that out well. But that's also incredibly freeing. It means we, you know, we know ourselves pretty well. We know our capabilities. We know what we have in our toolkit. And it's extremely compatible most of the time where it's like, okay, I can create this thing and toss it over to Chris. And then he's going to program it in this way and toss it back over to me. And then I'm going to adjust it in this way. So, like, it's been this very interesting game of catch back and forth throughout the process. And now when you first – I don't know what the transition was, but when you arrived at Touchdown, would you have felt the same as Chris? Oh, absolutely. I I was uh, coming from a – coming out of undergrad with a very sort of traditional theater sort of like, you know, I'll get a script. I'll learn my lines, I'll make some jokes with friends backstage, and that's the experience. (laughs) And to come to Touchstone where everything is so rooted in original creation and stuff that has been created from personal experience and from story and from, you know, the people in the room, the alchemy of the people in the room. Yeah, I absolutely would not have been anything close to to creating this piece uh, when (laughs) when I first started, but I'm but I'm glad I'm there now. And it's interesting to me that you don't have a director. I mean, Ashley's worked with you with choreography. So you have to trust each other and, and have share that kind of overview as well. Is that traditional when Touchstone creates a new work or is it going to go either way? It's variable. Um, yeah. You know, we, we, we get to decide from the drop who's, yeah. who, who are going to be the people in the room. Uh, I would say that our main other teammate in the room is our stage manager, Alexis Leone, who is fantastic. Thank you, responsible adult. Yep. <laughs> we love you, Alexis. Um, and she is great both for, like, keeping us on track mm-hmm. and keeping our vision on track mm-hmm. because she hears the sort of stuff we harp on each other, on ourselves. And then when we're just trying to be in the moment and, like, great, let's let's try this out, see if it works, she's the one we trust on the outside to say – that thing you were talking about earlier, you were doing it again. You should not do that. <laughs> and it's like, great, thank you. We need that, please. Set of eyes. Yeah. Know, just to, yeah. 
And so we're opening February 16th. This is, what, a week away mm-hmm. now. Yeah. I would advise folks that you should have been to Touchdown before if you have not. It's not an it's not a enormous hall. It's an intimate, lovely theater. You should get your tickets now. Get them now. <laughs> and not only for this fascinating new work, but just this kind of transition and and lovely thing that's happening for both of you with this piece as well. I'm so glad you've taken that and made something to share with us all as a gift. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Kate. And before we go, is there any last thoughts in terms of just, I don't know, anything you discovered about yourselves as adults or in terms of friendship that was surprising to you? We only have a little bit, of, a couple of seconds left, but I'm just curious. I think the um, what was a nice discovery for me uh, going into this, I think we were both a little bit concerned that it was very hyper-specific to our experience. We're both 90s kids. We both graduated from high school the same year. Okay. And we were like, is this too, is this too specific? And in sort of initial sharings with folks, uh, what we were really grateful to hear was like, this makes me want to call the person that was my best friend in high school. Interesting. This this reminds me of this time with my neighbor kid that we did this thing. And yeah. it's like that is, I think, what is universal. We all had someone that we used to call our best friend or someone that we used to call our good friend that yeah. is not in our life anymore. And that's normal and it's sad and it's part of life, but it's something that we all have the, the freedom to do something about. Hmm. I think that's the biggest thing for me. It's allowed me, even though none of, there's nothing that's real, specific from me that is part of the show, but it allowed me to take a look at my relationships with friends that are from the past that I don't have regular contact with anymore and come to terms and peace with where that relationship may be now Hmm. and know that, you know, it's okay that I'm not the same person and they're not the same person they were at that time in our life now. And being able to wrap my arms around that and release it back out into the world in the form of this show is kind of, it's a really cool thing. And on that note, Sadly, we're out of time. Thank you. Thank you, Chris. And thank you, Emma. Thank you. And thank you, listeners, for joining me again here in the Art Salon. You can find past episodes of Lehigh Valley Art Salon and our other public affairs programming at WDIY.org, on the DIY phone app, and on major podcast platforms. I'm Kate Scuffle. This is WDIY 88.1 FM. And I look forward to joining you again soon here in the Lehigh Valley Art Salon. <laughs>